Welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. My name is Jacob Dahlin, your host, and with us today is Christian Skarphagen with uh, Game Day Group. Uh, welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Thanks a lot. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. For you that are... N- listening to this you can't see that christian is sitting in sitting in a car uh because he's got a young daughter in the house and wanted to get some peace and quiet so tell us a little bit about where you are and 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 then go in a little bit about who christian is exactly yeah so uh, i'm from gothenburg and on the west coast of sweden i've, I've been living there for about 12 13 years uh, right now, as as J- Jacob mentioned, I'm in the car right outside my uh, gra- um, grandparents' house here in uh, Jönköping, uh, an hour and a half east of uh, of Gothenburg, somewhere in between Gothenburg and Stockholm, you can say. Um, my background is uh, growing up in Sweden, played soccer and ice hockey as, as uh, most uh People do, I would say, in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> like everybody here. does. <laughs> like everybody does, exactly. Uh, it's not just uh, Ibra. Uh, injured my knee, uh, quit playing uh, uh, sports, but I um, wanted to help other people not getting injured. So I educated myself University of Gothenburg for uh, four years, I think it was, and... Uh, I got the foot in the door in the Frölunda Hockey Academy during that time as well. So I started actually my, my strength and conditioning career in the Frölunda, Frölunda Academy in uh, in Gothenburg. Yeah, so we should mention that. Um, so if we look uh, Christian up on LinkedIn, very, very extensive background and a very impressive resume in the strength and conditioning world. And uh, Game Day Group, which is now uh, a, a company that Christian runs, is um, is a performance coaching uh, consulting business that is leveraging his background in the strength and conditioning world, which is what we want to talk about today is, is kind of the, the background of, of where you've been, but also how does that apply to, to the athlete and what do you do now with... Uh, applying that in in for for companies out there since this is a junior hockey podcast we can we can have a little bit of a twist in the in in the a little bit more of of your background in with with uh when it comes to the younger athletes that and and people that are listening to this can can hopefully learn some things on that that you've experienced uh in in the different areas um so uh how did you get started in Frölunda? So I actually had, uh, like I mentioned, during my time at the University of uh, Gothenburg, my education was very theoretical uh, in terms of like uh, sports performance, uh, coaching within sports and all that stuff. And it was super uh, helpful, but I wanted to, I wanted, I knew I wanted to uh, work practically. Yeah. Uh, so I actually added another practical course throughout my last year at the university. And during that time, I also had to actually coach and practice the knowledge I uh, learned. I had to apply that. 
somehow, either with an individual client or with an actual team. So I applied on and, and contacted every sports organization you can even imagine. Uh, I would say in the southern part of Sweden, especially obviously on the western part, because that was where the university was. And that's how I um, got in contact with Frölunda, which they actually had a, an opening in their under-16 team during that time. So it was a, a lot of luck, obviously. But uh, and, and, and for those who, who aren't as familiar with Frölunda, and at the time, I mean, so this was, I'm looking at your, at your uh, LinkedIn profile, 2011 to 2016. Yeah. It was at the time when you know, Frölunda was not necessarily a powerhouse as they are now, but they they were building their youth organization pretty purposefully then. What I would was say, I would say their their pro team wasn't necessarily a powerhouse, but the junior side was. Yeah. So, uh, not to be not that 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 names are sexy, but. What were some of the, the the athletes that you remember that people may may remember may, may know of now? So that this is now 10, 11 years later, that some of those guys that are U16s uh are probably now playing professionally. Yeah, exactly. Uh William Logison, he's with Carolina Hurricanes organization. You got Linus Weisbach, he's with the Buffalo Sabres organization. Uh obviously Rasmus Dalin. Uh, Andreas Johnson, Toronto. Is he still in Toronto? No, he's with the Devils. Devils. Okay. Yeah. So those were some of the names uh, that were uh, players in that academy back then. And then, so you came, you came into that green and had a sandbox to play in with high-performing young athletes. Exactly. So it was like it was not. I obviously wanted, I was uh, high, I always have and have had high ambitions in terms of what I want to do and, and the level I want to work at. And obviously I come in there, that goes for every athlete within those walls as well, right? Yeah. Super ambitious and uh, it was it was a really fun environment and context to work in. And you were young at the same time. Yeah, I was, I think I was Let's say I was 26 or whatever. So I, I was basically 10 years older than their, uh, the under 16 guys I was yeah. working with. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I'm going to, I'm going to not to fast forward too much, but and not to, not to minimize, but, but, because uh, we're going to weave in and out of this, but yep. you left to go take a head strength and conditioning job in the K, in the KHL with uh, Dynamo Minsk. That that's got to be a little bit of a change of pace. Yeah, it was. Uh, so during this time, when I was working with the Frölunda Academy players, I also had my own. I actually started my own business and uh, coaching some of the the pro players coming back in the summertime. Uh, so that was the first time I actually coached senior players, like pros. Yeah. Uh, but I never worked in a pro environment, like in a pro team before. So um, Dynamo Minsk, uh, they actually had like basically a full Canadian coaching staff back then. And they wanted to bring in some new uh, 
I would say, training philosophies in terms of uh, what I could represent. And they didn't want to go on the, the old traditional Russian or Belarusian um, way of doing things in terms of what you do off ice. Yeah. And that's uh, that's how I ended up there. And it was uh, it was challenging in the beginning. Obviously, uh, it was a language barrier uh, because I, even though I, I, I'm pretty fluent in English, I wasn't really back then. But also, obviously, they they are not. So the imports helped a lot, and then they always some Russians or Belarusian players that understands English way better. But also the culture, that's the big one. Because you have all these players, then they are super skilled. And I, I come in there and I want to help, but I had this Scandinavian mentality and the leadership, which is way different than both the North American one, but also obviously the, the Russian um, mentality. So that was a that was a huge learning curve <laughs> that I had to pick up quick. Yeah. And, but at the same time, you had the relationship with those players that you had worked with during the off season that continued, right? Yeah, exactly. And is that how you ended up with the Chicago Blackhawks organization? Yeah, eventually, yes. So I had and two players uh, that was uh, playing in, with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I think most strength conditioning coaches know that by the end of the year, these guys are banged up. Right, either they have surgery or they should have surgery, or they have like some some sort of problems that needs to be taken care of. So I had pretty extensive dialogues with uh, both the medical and the performance staff uh, with the with the Blackhawks organization. Yeah, and that's how I I got got to learn both organization, but also how it uh, ended up there. So how was that? To you hadn't really been in Minsk that long. And now, now you have this other opportunity in the U.S. Was that a hard thing to kind of pick up and, you know, you, I'm I'm sure you felt that that well, I haven't really got to get into the stuff that I really want to get into. But you have this opportunity to to go to a, you know, regional six organization and and their their affiliates. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was in uh, Minsk for one year, and I felt. I, this is really the route I want to work on. And so after I was back home in Sweden for one year, um, because the man, <laughs> so the management, the reason why we didn't stay in Minsk for more than a year, but was because basically all imports left, all coaches left, all the players left because management is, uh, let's, let's call it volatile. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's a special environment. Let's put it that way. Anyway, so we were back in Sweden, and all of a sudden, I wasn't with a, with a team. I've been first. I was in five years in Frölunda, and then it was another year with Dynamo Minsk, and now all of a sudden, after six years, I was not with a team anymore. And it was like it felt like something is missing. Even though I could, I work with my own business. I was coaching both uh, athletes and, and, and private clients in Sweden, but it wasn't the the competitive nerve wasn't there and I felt like I really wanted to get back in so uh, obviously by this time as well I had more contact with uh, the Blackhawks organization and when that when the, one of the positions in their affiliate team in Rockford opened up 
it felt like a supernatural step to take for me. And then you got to experience, so now you've moved from Swedish philosophy, Swedish ingrainedness of this is how you do things. You go to Russia or Belarus, complete different mindset change. And now you go into a third uh, uh, mindset. Um, so, but they want, but, but at the same time, they wanted that European philosophy. They wanted your experience in there. So how, how does that contrast between the three? What, what would you say are the three differences from a, from a culture standpoint? If you were going to quickly label strength and conditioning philosophy in Sweden versus Russia or KHL versus the NHL in the US. Uh, I would say Swedish Sweden is pretty it's a lot of knowledge in Sweden in terms of how to how to do things and why you do it and and uh, all that stuff and the training culture in in Swedish hockey is like you train hard you train a lot you train probably I would say more maybe than you do in North America uh, because that's just the way like you train hard period yep. and you don't you don't necessarily consider the consequences all the time which is obviously not a good thing but that's that's just how it is right while in Russia alpha's training strength conditioning whatever you want to label it is considered punishment most times than not i would say so that was that was a first of all i've learned like i said before it's a learning curve to to understand that these guys don't want to do off ice because how they grew up is obviously like i said it's it's a punishment yeah i'm not there to punish them by any means i'm there to, i'm on their side and i guess we're gonna come back to this part later on as well i'm on the player's side and i want to help them to perform better but to get players to understand that when they have been in like taught in into the, their heads all year like all life that this is not this is not fun so that's so when that's you first one. so let me let me guess then so when you first came to minsk yeah. they you saw them as man i'm here as your asset i'm here to help you they looked at you and they said, "Oh, this is a guy that's going to punish us." That yeah, that didn't much. start off to. Was that a? How how did you how did you first? Did you already know that that was going to be kind of the mentality, or did you learn it as you went? No, I learned it. I learned it for sure. I obviously I talked to to Craig, the, the head coach, and he said that these uh these guys are uh, brought up in a different kind of system than both North American and European players, but. It was it, it, the mindset shift is is so obvious that they they just want to train. Maybe they do something that they have been doing all all life, like the entire careers basically, and they don't really know why to do it. They just do it. Yeah. So that's that's a big one. And obviously, if you if you go back to your question in terms of like the differences in North America, the budgets are way different. The budget is so much bigger, so you can do everything basically, in terms of like high technology and analy analytics and all that stuff. And you can't really 
you can't really compare nor I would say you can't really compare Scandinavian um, budgets, obviously, because they're the markets in, is not that big. And in, in Russian terms, like they, they don't really care about that stuff because they're so uh, driven of tradition instead. It's so, so driven of tradition. So uh, did that... So so did, when you first came to to, to Rockport, then w with a bigger Rockford, budget, Rockford. or Rockford, sorry, uh, with Rockford, did when you had a bigger budget, did that enable you? Did you did that affect you in terms of what you wanted to do, or did you say like all of this is nice, but I really want to focus on these things? Um, that's a conversation I also have to have with the head of strength and conditioning in Chicago Blackhawks, which was, or actually is Paul Goodman. He's been, he's been there for like 18, 20 years or whatever. So he's been there for a long, long time and is super knowledgeable. And, and so that's one conversation you have to have. But the other one is also, you have to have the conversation with the head coach. What kind of information or input does he want to have in terms of like, if I collect all this data and analyze everything, will they use the data? Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer to that question is not obvious. Let's put it that way. Because I wouldn't say uh, in Sweden right now, you do it. Yes. In most teams. In North America, I guess all teams do does it. 100%. Russia, it's not guaranteed. Because, like I said, there everything is so based out of tradition, and if the head coach doesn't really see the value in it, it's why sh why should I spend time doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So this brings me into um, this perfectly leads into the question here that I'm interested in, and that is when you worked in Sweden, Russia, and then uh, the U.S. Who did you typically work for? Um, the athlete or the coach? Was it the head coach of the organization, the GM, or the uh, or the head strength and conditioning coach for the Blackhawks, as an as an example? Or who who is your customer? Or do you was that something that you balanced all the time because you ended up having multiple customers? If you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it, like you have to define the customer first of yeah. all. Obviously, I was employed by Blackhawks, and and uh, so I was not there on a consultancy basis from uh, from the player itself. Obviously, yeah. So I would say it's not really a black or white that kind of answer. It's more yeah. like a gray area um, because I'm there as an employed for the team or for the organization. So I have to please them yeah. kind of right uh in terms of management and all those uh criterias the same goes for the dialogue with the rest of the coaching staff right yeah if if that doesn't really work out well during the like the col collaboration within the coaching staff that could be trouble down the road right so i that's something you really have to navigate as well and Obviously, also, you need to have the players on board and get them to buy in to what you do and why you do it. And I, and, and the reason I, the reason I bring bring that question up, because I think that that 
goes into where I really want to go in this conversation. And that goes into kind of relationship trust and, 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 and goal strategy when it comes to the individual athlete. But I would imagine that the, the view of your role as a strength and conditioning coach for the organization is also looked upon differently culturally in Sweden, Russia versus the U S in terms of you're there to perform or you're there, you're there to help the athletes perform better. And I'm curious to, to see what, how they measured that. Um, you know, we had a uh, goalie coach from the KHL, uh, Alex um, was on a, a couple of weeks ago. And, and basically if they lost the game, they blamed the goalie coach <laughs> in the KHL. And I would imagine that if you had an athlete that, you know, I, I, offline we're chatting a little bit, and then I, I use the the analogy of uh, athlete has a freak injury, slipped in the shower, and strains the back muscle. Right now, can't injure. Now can't play because they're injured. Is is that looked upon as? Hey, it must be the strength and conditioning guy's fault. <laughs> and how does that differ between Sweden, Russia, U.S.? Uh, I would say. I would add to something that the goalie, goalie coach said. So if the team lost the game, it's either the goalie's, goalie coach's fault or the strength and conditioning coach's <laughs> fault. Either they're out of shape or the the goalie sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's I have, I've seen and heard that before as well, obviously. And... Yeah, that just I just wanted to add that one. What was sorry? What was the question again? Well, so how does that differ between Sweden, Russia, and and the U.S.? Are they what I'm leading towards is are they more in Russia and the U.S. Are they more focused on the outcome than the process? Yeah, in terms so, of your performance in your role. Yeah. Uh, less patience. Yeah, for sure. It's in Sweden. It's more process based, uh, more patience, more uh, long, longevity, if you want to call it that, but more like long term um, development yep. philosophy. Uh, while in in uh, Russia, not so much. You have to have results. Um, you can still work long term as long as you have results. Yeah. If you don't, you can't produce results whatever that might be in terms of like uh, strength numbers or uh, endurance based numbers, or if the team wins, if the players are healthy, like you can, how, however you want to measure it, but you still have to um, have results. Same so, goals. I would, I would say the same goals in North America as well. You need to, uh, it might be a mix actually. In, in North America, they're they're not as short term focused as Russia and, and the KHL. I would say they're they're way 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 more. That I would say out, out of these three, they're way more professional. And the the level of professionalism in North America is the highest, absolutely. Okay. But you still need to produce results. You can't have half of the team injured and not being questioned why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That doesn't work like that. So that leads me into this other question I have, and that is your role 
in strength and conditioning, you know, traditionally is to prepare the athlete during a period of time. And you have different seasons. You have the off season, you have the preseason, you have the in season and, and you have the, how do I improve the, the individual speed, strength, agility part? How do I improve their, uh, their, their um, diet or their, their, um, their fueling habits? And then the third, I'm, I made some notes here. I'm looking at my notes. The third, which is going to be the rest and recovery. But it's all about how do I now take this athlete, this engine, and how do I tune, how do I make improvements on the on the dyno, so to speak, to, to improve the performance of this engine, uh, to, to then when we are putting this engine into the game situation that they're going to now run at higher RPMs and, and they're going to perform better versus before. So you have a time period of before and after, and it's a progressive game here of, of making gains over time. So I'm curious of your opinion of when you have a team of players, let's say you have 20 players, um, how individual are the, 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 the plans or the strategy that you, because you can't spend, you know, you can't have all individual plans. I'm sure you have to put everything into a team environment. No, yeah, you can do it either one of two ways. Either you have individual plans for all the players, which is super time consuming, uh, because there's another uh, aspect that you need to consider as well. In a season, very few things are optimal, right? There's either a traveling schedule or a game schedule or lack of sleep or practices or tactics or team meetings or lack of time or i mean the list goes on right so uh, you can't have the the individual um schedules i would say that's easier if you play in a league where where the playing schedule is less taxing and the traveling schedule is less taxing like um, like a j18 in frelunda for example, yeah, exactly. The, the, in the academy, uh, maybe in college, uh, yeah. stuff like that. So less less taxing on on the traveling and gaming schedules. Um, in in KHL and the AHL where I worked, I did not have individual uh, workouts or or programs for each player, but you need to have a plan because if you have twenty five guys in a team you know that at least half of those guys will probably have some sort of problem doing one uh, exercise or another exercise, right? So you need yeah. to have a, a regression or a progression plan for each exercise, basically. And let's say you have a guy that doesn't really have a problem, but he played 25 minutes, three, three games in a row. Maybe he doesn't need to do as much as the guy that played eight, Right, so you need to have that in back of your head as well, and you also need to have, uh, need to know and consider, like you said, the rest recovery. How well do they take care of themselves? Maybe not okay. as good as they should, 
but is it smart for me to push them and make make them to do a lot if they don't really um, rest and recover? Yeah, it's it's a fine balance, right? I I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it either because sometimes the answer is yes, they need to learn, right? While sometimes their answer is no because if I push too hard, they might get sick or or injured. Yeah, right. Or perform even worse. So, so and, yeah. and you mentioned kind of the 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 curveballs. So many of the people that I've talked to with this podcast, because of the time period that we've been in, and what I'm what have have, have had this issue either as an athlete or whatever their role is, and that is COVID. So. <laughs> A big curveball got thrown to you when you were, that was when you were in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it also, uh, my, I would say the the full year in, in the Spartak Moscow and now the last season in KHL here. Yeah. So, so not only have you, we talked a little bit about this offline too, but not only have you had a very interesting background of being in three different cultures and three different or four different organizations uh, at different levels and youth and but but at the highest level but you've also uh, worked through COVID what I'm really curious about and this is kind of where it's leading into the relationship part so you had mentioned to me that that during that time you ended up spending a lot of time with the individual athletes because they were they were all working out at home Let's talk a little bit about that and 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 how that was. Was that at the time when you were strength and conditioning consultant for the individual athlete, or was that also when you worked for the team? Uh, no, so it was during my time with the Blackhawks. I was uh, I actually had dual parts, dual roles. Um, Interesting. One was in the affiliate team in in AHL Rockford. Yeah during season and the other one was when i was a european uh, developmental strength and conditioning coach so during the summertime i was based in in gothenburg where i live but i uh, traveled around to see all the blackhawks prospects in europe yeah so i visited them in 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 their hometown meeting with their trainer for the summer sometimes i even met with their parents and just to see what kind of environment they were in. Sometimes, obviously, I met with their um, current club as well. So, and this is where I where I want to spend the rest of my time, and that is that is the let's talk about that and what that does as a coach is a different environment, and then kind of going back and contrasting with your time in Minsk when you're coming in and culturally you're viewed upon as the punisher and your philosophy is i'm here to help you and i'm here to build the relationship contra you're going to their home in their environment where the birds are chirping and the sun the sun is shining and you're sitting down in the grass having a cup of coffee and you're talking about them as an individual and their goals what does that do to your 
So, so I use the word trust, right? And the relationship part and how important that is in the development phase of an athlete. Of and 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 what does it do to the to the the next chapter of your ability to impact and what we call move the needle on performance when you have the ability to build trust and establish a relationship with a player as a you know man to man person to person or even with their parents and family how did what was your experience if you compare and contrast those when you were able to do that in their home um First of all, I think each player I I travel to see and actually got invited to to meet with their parents or like into their home, it's it's a it's super appreciated. They the player is really feel usually they feel like they they're being seen and that that they're getting all the help they actually need. Like we really want to help them. Right, we are not there just to. Uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? You're not there to check up on them, right? Yeah, exactly. Bedum. What's this? What's the English word for? That? Yeah, judge them, right? Yeah, exactly. We're not there to judge them, right? I can I can either go home to you and see, yeah, uh, what what kind of uh, food does he have in the fridge? Uh, Man, you need to lose ten pounds. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. You need to lose ten pounds. Blah blah. blah all that stuff, or. That's the one aspect that they could have, yeah. But yep. I, I didn't never experience that one. They feel like they we are really there to help them, yeah, to get them to better to perform better. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the one thing that and as long as soon as they feel that, it's you're talking about building trust. Like you can't really you can't really press a button and then you have trust all of a sudden. It doesn't work like that. Usually it takes time. But stuff like that helps out, I would say. The so more, you... the more, the more aspects and the more uh, parts of a human being you see, you, you, the more aspects you get to learn, the the easier it is to to build trust. So, what did it give to you? So, I can see how that really helped the athlete. They yeah. see you at, in a different light. That man, this guy's an at that this guy's an asset for me. He really cares. He's here to make sure that I am getting all the help that I need. And 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 he gave me some pointers. And and we worked to plan. We we now have a good plan for the next few months. What did it give to you in terms of seeing them in their natural habitat? Um. I didn't really have a guess. So if you if I see how they are in their natural habitat, then I know, right? How know how, how, ver how much ver ver variety or variance? How much differences was it between the different athletes that you went to see? A lot, a lot. I I can give you two examples. I had one player who was born undrafted. Uh, he signed uh, a pro contra contract with the Blackhawks undrafted. He's, he was born in 93. He was already a pro, pro player when he played in Sweden. He had two or three really good seasons in Sweden. He knew how to take care of himself already, right? The other one was, is uh, just recently drafted first round. He was, I don't know, how, long, how old are you? 18, 19? Yeah. Something like that. 
still lived at home with his parents. Obviously, the differences in between these two players, I met them the same week during the summer. I mean, it, it speaks for itself, right? It's, yes. it's, it's massive. So in, in terms of your strategy then, right? I mentioned offline, treatment without diagnosis is malpractice. So malpractice meaning that is not a good thing. If you're a doctor and you you are giving treatment to a patient and you give the wrong treatment, that's malpractice, right? And and for your you as a practitioner, as a coach, it's easy to give the wrong advice. I mean, your role as, a, as an, an advisor, advocate, and coach for your athletes uh, relies on your ability to um, uh, your ability to to connect and also get to know who they are to form that relationship that then ex, ex, expands into uh, strategy. So now, when you get to know them. Maybe I need to be really, really, really aggressive with this guy or this guy needs, I need to be very encouraging or uplifting. This person's confidence is in the tank or whatever, right? Is that is that the way it is? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I even have the opportunity to meet the parents. And if a parent, let, let's say you have a mother saying his son is kind of lazy okay and then i know i can push these this guy pretty hard right yeah but if this if the mother says that yeah, he's, uh, he's a little bit shy he's a little bit uh, like you said the, the confidence is, is in the tank or whatever then i need to be super encouraging instead right yeah so the few people know these guys better than the parents do right Maybe some agents claim they know players really, really good, but that's not the same. It's not the same aspect, right? They it, they know these players and these guys from a different kind of uh, uh, point of say, view. Yeah. Point of view, yeah, exactly, exactly. So some sometimes you can really push them. Sometimes you should push them, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> let's let's wrap this up a little bit by by talking a little bit about. Um, you know, you've been now in these, in, in these different environments. Um, and now, now you're working with businesses. <laughs> how, how different, I'm curious about that too. And I think that, you know, I mentioned to you kind of, you know, one of my heroes, one of my, um, the people that I look up to is Jonas Bergqvist, who's, who's doing exactly what you're doing and speaking to businesses and how much difference is it to be talking to a business or an organization? Maybe it's a maybe it's it's a company or maybe it's an a, an athletic organization um, versus the club versus the you know when it comes to strategy and performance, is it are there a lot of parallels? Yeah, there's uh, plenty of parallels. Uh, I would say. I would I usually say it's I talk about three different themes. It's either leadership, it's uh, team and communication, or it's on the individual basis in terms of let's say uh, in in uh, 
the area of sports performance. You really have to know how to handle stress and pressure, right? Yeah. So how can we apply that into the corporate side? Right? Is that relatable? Is that knowledge needed? Is the level of stress and burnout high in the corporate world? Um, at least in Sweden it is. And I'm pretty sure it's on the it's the same in the UK, in US, wherever you go, right? So there's so many things that are obvious and you that, that it's the baseline in in sports performance and uh yeah i would say elite sports right so same thing when you're talking about diet rest recovery and load absolutely 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 but the same thing goes for mental uh tools in terms of like how self-awareness focus uh, yeah i can go on for hours here but so it's so many aspects here that are uh it's the baseline in in sports, but it's not necessarily the baseline in the corporate world. And how can we take proven successful methods from those from the sports arena and apply that in the corporate world? That's uh, that's uh, really something I I think is uh, interesting. And even even though I I still. Um, have a high passion for sports performance and the strength and conditioning part. I, I do think that this is an, another aspect that, yeah, I, I get my, get my mind going. Yeah. Now I think it's, it's, it's the, the parallels are, are definitely there. And I think that the, the, the interesting thing for the athletes to be thinking about too, the most of the people that are listening to this podcast are typically going to be the athletes, right? Yeah. Is, yeah. You know, there is a parallel that if you are a great teammate, if you're a great performer, if you can improve, you can find ways to look inward and outward to improve your performance individually or collectively as a team, it prepares you for life. It prepares you for being then a teammate in a different game. And there are parallels that are worthwhile Um and, and I think that most athletes are very employable in leadership positions or in key executional positions um, because they've had that experience um, uh, in 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 sports. Yeah, I, I can I can give you one example of of a, uh, a thing that is everyone in in uh, team sports knows what an assist is, right? The definition is basically you you help a teammate to score or make a goal, right? Yep. So and everyone wants to do it, and it's pretty pretty much the same value as a goal, or right? Yep. Points on the board. Exactly. Exactly. Points on the board. So how can you do that outside of the the field? How can you help someone to form a goal or a um, Make a make a score somehow. Um, that's a, that's a mindset, right? When did you do that the last last time? Yeah. Well, it's the world that you and I live in is being. How can we help others, right? Yeah. Um, either either through through uh, and and it's about executing in your role. You may yeah. not be. You may not be the the goal scorer 
you may be Niklas Backstrom, yeah, who serves up the saucer pass to Ovi, who's exactly. going to one time it, yeah, uh, out there. So uh, it's interesting. We could talk for hours, uh, Christian. Um, I'm sure that your co- your car is getting cold in the cold of Sweden. Uh, I so appreciate the time to to be a guest and hopefully people can be inspired to see the parallel in the different cultures between sports and the business world lastly if they want to contact you what's the best way to find you uh maybe they want to come in and 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 for you to come in and and do a little diagnosis uh so there's there's a plan individually or collectively for them I would say the easiest way is uh, through LinkedIn, um, Christian Skarpagan. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm way faster answering DMs in, on LinkedIn than I am on other social platforms. That's good. That's good. Well, I, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll release this here after New Year's. And uh, uh, from us in the U.S., we know how much New Year's means in Sweden. Not so much over here, but uh, have a tremendous Happy New Year. Uh, 2023 is going to be awesome. Likewise. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.